This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Emrest, CPA with Parmelis and Associates. This week we have a great topic recommended by Seth Thorson. A lot of you probably know Seth, but he has four incredible Euro shops in Minnesota and is a great asset to the aftermarket community. Like every week, I always ask, hey, if you have any other things you know that you were wondering about, things that you hear other shop owners talking about that maybe are misunderstood. As always, for you listening, please shoot me those questions or topics. But Seth brought up a great point, and he says that a lot of business owners simply do not know the rhyme or reason of why they set up their entities the way that they do. And this can be a huge deal for taxes as well as legal protection. So this week, we're going to dive deep into this idea. You know, why we set up a certain way, if there's something that we need to be changed, and then also a couple differences between setting up an entity for real estate or an entity for loaner cars or even an entity for your shop. Before we get into that, though, I want to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Ordering parts can suck the joy out of anyone's day. But you can break up with the parts matrix and order spark plugs in seconds if you use Shopware's native parts catalog. Browse every shelf based on price or fit. GetShopware.com At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, the focus is on helping shop owners unlock their full potential by specializing in an expert coaching and marketing program designed for your specific shop. For more information about their programs, please visit them at RepairShopOfTomorrow.com. So we're going to be talking this week about entity choices, you know, from the start of why we set these up a certain way and then kind of getting a little bit deeper into what is, you know, the taxation behind it and what our options are as far as taxation. But the core of an entity choice starts at the beginning on how you organize your business. And this is where I think it kind of is a bit mystifying for most people because they think that there's only one option here. Hey, I need to go start a business And for all intents and purposes, a lot of the time people are kind of talking about an LLC. An LLC is the most popular option out there. And as we will talk about, it's still the one I recommend here. But I want to have a kind of a quick discussion on why. So you really have three choices here when you set up a business, you know, to choose your entity. You can be a corporation. You can be a limited liability company, LLC, or you can be a sole proprietor. So let's start with a corporation. So a corporation, you can tell if you're a corporation or if someone else is a corporation because they have an ink behind their names, right? It means they're incorporated. Now, generally in small, closely held businesses, you know, primarily shops is what we work with. We don't see a lot of people setting up new corporations. I have a lot of people that are corporations, but they've been set up that way for decades. Corporations used to be very popular, but we just really don't see it that much anymore. One of the big reasons why we don't see corporations set up anymore is they can be a little bit more complicated, a little bit more expensive to set up and also to keep in existence. Um, There's some different things that you need to be doing on an annual basis if you're a corporation to keep in good standing. But also the LLCs have just become so quick and easy to do. There's just really no benefit for people to become a corporation. You know, one of the things here about a corporation is a corporation by default when you set one up it's going to make you a C-corporation. And if you've been listening to this podcast enough, 
you know that we do not want to be a C corporation. So if we look at this, we say, all right, if we set up a corporation, it's going to be more expensive than LLC. That's one strike against it. Number two is, hey, there's more things that we got to do on an annual basis to keep this thing active. That's strike two. And number three on this, LLCs are just so easy and they're going to make us be taxed the right way already. You can see that there's really no big reason for anyone with a small business to be a corporation. The only time that we generally see corporations is for large major corporations, specifically publicly held corporations. It doesn't mean you need to be an Apple or a General Motors to become a corporation, but corporations can have a lot more levels of complexity here. I'm not going to bore you guys on all of this, but the idea behind a corporation is corporations you know, have stock. They're stock corporations. So you can have different kinds of stock. You can have voting, non-voting stocks. You can have restricted stocks. You know, all the kinds that you hear with startups, hey, we've got restricted stocks options or I got vesting options. I got stocks that don't have any voting powers in it. You know, a lot of added levels of complexities that just really don't make sense for the auto repair industry. The only time I've seen a corporation in recent memory for a shop was he was planning on doing a franchise. And for a number of reasons, most franchises or the main parent corporation of the franchise is a corporation because it does allow you to do some different levels of complexity that are important on that. But the short answer on this is you should not be looking at a corporation. You should not be set up a new shop to call an ink. Just doesn't really make any sense to do that. Now, if you're sitting here listening to this and saying, well, Hunt, I'm looking at my business and it's Bob's Repair Inc. Is there something I need to be doing? No, not at all. If you already have this set up, if you're on an existing corporation, cool. No harm, no foul. You're already there. You already have good legal protection. If you were to do this all over again, there's really no reason why you would need to be a corporation. But the flip side is, is there's no real downside if you are already set up to be a corporation. Still gives us great legal protection. Still gives us tons of options on how we're able to be taxed. It's just a little bit more cumbersome and an LLC just makes our life quick and easy. So that's probably the biggest reason of why we love LLCs. Very quick and easy to set up. Now, one of the things that I tell people all the time when you're setting up a business is really the main reason why we're setting up a corporation or an LLC is for legal protection, right? The third option here we're going to talk about where you don't have any legal protection is even easier, but there's a reason why we go through this cost and this headache to set up a corporation or an LLC and that's to separate the business from the personal. So if you are a person and you own a business and you do not have an LLC or corporation set up, you have personal liability if something goes wrong in your shop. However, if you're an LLC and something goes wrong in your shop, let's say that a customer gets injured, an employee gets injured, they can sue your LLC, but personally you are protected. Right? That's the limited liability that's right there in the name. That's one of the biggest reasons why we want to do this. Now, that being said, if our idea here is to set up these entities for legal protection, I usually like to recommend using a lawyer to set this stuff up. Can you go to LegalZoom? Can you go to any number of web-based programs and set up an LLC or even a corporation by yourself for relatively inexpensive? Of course, you definitely can do that. 
However, we do not recommend it because at the end of the day, if something were to happen and you go, that would be a terrible time for your lawyer to then tell you, hey, when you set up your LLC, you kind of missed a couple steps here. Now this LLC is null and void and you voided that limited liability and now you could be personal liable for it. You know, generally, depending on where you are, a full on LLC set up to have an attorney do this for you is going to be less than a thousand dollars. Right. You pay thousands of dollars every year for insurance to make sure you're protected. Don't cheap out up front and get yourself protected and get it set up right the first time. Another reason why we like the LLC is it gives us tons of flexibility on how to be taxed. LLC is kind of the Swiss army knife of entities because it can go any number of directions. You can be a sole proprietor, you can be a partnership, you can be an S corporation, you can even be a C corporation if you want to. Really, all the options are out there. So this is, you know, we're going to talk about this later, you know, in this episode on, on how we're going to be taxed and, you know, what different options we have. And we're only going to be talking about an LLC because for the most part, LLC is really the only option for 99.9% of people listening to this right now. So the last option on here, you know, remember we said we have three choices on how you can set up your business is a sole proprietor. What a sole proprietor is, is essentially saying that you're going to go out and you're just going to go to the IRS and say, hey, I'm going to start a business. They're going to give you a federal ID number and they're going to say, all right, you're off to the races. You can go and you can operate your business. You can issue payroll. It's going to come from your federal ID number. However, if you set yourself up with just the IRS and you become a sole proprietor, you do not have any legal protection. Right. And so this is a huge non-starter right here. We have no legal protection because we're essentially skipping the step of an LLC and just going to get our federal ID number. Another thing here is we don't really have any options on taxes. If you're a sole proprietor, you can only be taxed as a sole proprietor. No S corporations, no partnerships, you know, and obviously no C corporations here. So the only time that we really see a sole proprietor is if someone was going to set up a business, it was going to be very, very small scale. You just wanted to distance yourself from your social security number, but there was absolutely no liability on it. That's the only time that we see this. Generally, though, because like I talked about on how quick and easy LLCs are to set up, I don't ever recommend someone set up as a sole proprietor, right? Again, thousand bucks. Pay it once. Don't have to worry about it later. The last thing that you want to be doing is three years down the road, staring at a lawsuit saying, hey, you know what? Now my house that I live in, that my family lives in, is coming under scrutiny or you know, is at risk of getting lost because of this lawsuit. My personal vehicles, my personal bank account, my personal retirement. If you do not separate yourself from the business, anything that you have is the business. Anything that the business has is yours. There's no separation there. All of it is free game. When you started in this business, did you really think that cars would be driving themselves and that people would be buying cars online without test driving them? I don't think any of us did, yet that's exactly what is going on. On the repair side, the auto industry is changing fast. Customers expect quick answers and proof that they need the repairs that you recommend. They want to pay you while buying a coffee, then rate you on Yelp after picking up their keys. So why stay in a past? A shop owner named Carolyn asked herself the same question, so she created an online shop management system that automates the stuff you do over and over again. She and her team added texting in every step in the process from booking your appointment to posting that stellar review. 
They learn from their customers just like you learn from yours. And it's the system that's leading the industry into a bright future. Find out more about this and other things at GetShopware.com. At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, the focus is on helping shop owners unlock their full potential by specializing in an expert coaching and marketing program designed for your specific shop. Their mission is to coach the owners to focus on growing their bottom line and building a team culture within their business. At the Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care endorsed program, they train the owners and the staff what right looks like, so everyone is on the same page and driving towards a common goal. Their coaching program focuses on all aspects of your business so that the owner can step back from the daily grind and start to work on their business and not in their business. For more information about their programs, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. So this next step, we're going to discuss what we do with these entities and how we would go about, you know, picking how we want to be taxed in three different situations. The first one we're going to talk about is what we're going to do here if we want to set up an LLC for a shop. What are our options? How should we start? How should we grow? Do we need to change that at some point? Another one is the rental real estate company. I know a lot of shop owners, and I love the idea of controlling your own destiny and owning the real estate of where your shop is. So we're going to talk about setting up a rental real estate holding company. And then the last one that we've been seeing more and more of lately is a loaner car company, right? If you have loaner cars, I see some people trying to separate them into a separate LLC. Want to talk about kind of the ins and outs of that and a couple of things to be aware of or make sure that you're keeping in mind before you go ahead and do this. So let's start with the shop. Again, like we talked about before, we're going to start with an LLC. And if we start with an LLC and it's just one person starting that, by default, we're going to be taxed as a sole proprietor. Now, we are still an LLC, so we have that legal protection, but we are going to be taxed as a sole proprietor. Do you see how I talked about that? You know, no matter if we're a partnership, a sole proprietor, or an S corporation, we are still an LLC, right? Because our entity is never going to change what it is. What we are changing here is how we're going to be taxed. So by default, if you have one person, you set up an LLC, you're going to be taxed as a sole proprietor. A sole proprietor reports all of the income and expenses on your personal tax return. Um, You still have the legal protection of the LLC. Downside is, is all of the income is subject to self-employment tax, which is essentially an extra 15% on top of regular income tax. Now, the reason why you get hit with self-employment tax as a sole proprietor is if you're a sole proprietor, you're not allowed to be on payroll. Essentially, all of your profit is taxed like you did take it on payroll, which is why you have that 15% tax on top. Now, if you have more than one person owning the business, by default, you're going to be taxed as a partnership. Just like with a sole proprietor, if you're a partnership, all of your profits are going to be taxed and hit with an additional self-employment tax on top of that. And the way that it works for a partnership is whatever ownership percentage that you have is going to go to your personal tax return of those respective partners. So sole proprietor, we do not have to file any other tax return. If you have a multi-member LLC, meaning a couple of people owning that LLC, you are going to have to file a separate partnership return. You know, no matter if you have two or 20 different partners, anything more than one, you by default have to file a partnership tax return. Now, generally, a lot of people ask this, hey, hon, I'm just starting my shop up. You know, I'm already going to set up my LLC and I know that you talk about how popular S corporations are. 
So I'm going to immediately elect to be taxed as an S corporation. And I always tell people, do not do that. Do not do that in the first year. The reason is twofold. The first part of this is you probably will not need to be an S corporation, and it might actually cost you money if you become an S corporation the first year. We just don't know this yet. Number two is you do not need to do this before you start operating. You can actually go back up to three years and retroactively elect to be taxed as an S corporation. And so like this time of the year, we're sitting here talking in June. This is when I'm looking at my sole proprietors to say, all right, does this make sense to be an S corporation for this year? If it does, we need to get them on payroll. We need to do a couple other things, but allows us to see where that net income is to see if you're going to get any benefit out of it. The reason why I don't like to generally immediately jump to an S corporation is if we go to an S corporation, right off the bat, you're going to have more costs associated with this because we're going to have to file an S corporation tax return. And so a lot of times in the first year, if you're starting a business, A, you're probably not making a lot of money and B, you've probably bought a lot of equipment here. And so even if you are very profitable, you probably have a lot of equipment or a lot of depreciation that can offset that income for the first year. Now, the kind of tipping point here to where you should be looking at an S corporation is around $60,000 a profit for a sole proprietor. For partnership, it gets a little bit trickier, but general rule of thumb, if you have a partnership and there's two people in it, then that $60,000 just doubled. All right, are we going to be over $120,000 with two people? Or are we going to be over $180,000 with three people? That's assuming that all the partners have equal ownership percentages, and it gets a little complicated. So if you're sitting here and you're thinking about this to yourself, do not make this decision on your own. This is something that you should be talking to your accountant about, something that you should be asking questions, because I do not know what works for your certain situation. You know, if you have no outside source of income versus some of my other clients that have a lot of other businesses, it's going to severely change the answer and what you need to do. So you really need to be talking to your accountant and saying, all right, I'm taxed as a partnership. I'm taxed as a sole proprietor. Is this really the best way for me to be taxed? Because what we can do here is strictly with, you know, a couple clicks on our keyboard and a couple elections to the IRS, we're going to be able to change the way that we're going to be taxed and sometimes save us thousands and thousands of dollars. Now, if you want to go back and you want to learn even more about the S Corporation, take a look at the episode that I put out a couple weeks ago. It will go into the deep detail of why that $60,000 threshold is there and kind of the ins and outs on how you can really save money if it makes sense for you by switching to an S Corporation. Now, the big thing here that I want to just emphasize again is you are still an LLC once you become an S Corporation. You're going to have the same federal ID number. You're going to have the same name. You do not need to tell your bank. You do not need to tell your vendors. You need to not need to tell your employees. Everything from the outsider's point of view is going to look exactly the same. The only person that's going to look at this differently is going to be the IRS. We're telling the IRS that we're going to be taxed in a different manner. Everything else is the same. This kind of goes back to what Seth was talking about and something that I hear a lot as well is a lot of people correcting me and they'll tell me, well, hon, I'm not an LLC, I'm an S corporation. And I say, well, you're actually both. You are an LLC taxed as an S corporation. So it might seem a little bit silly here, but you really have two different things. What is your entity? How are you taxed? Right? Everyone is going to have two designations here. I'm an LLC taxed as a sole proprietor. I'm an LLC taxed as a partnership. I'm an LLC taxed as an S corporation. 
But at the end of the day, that LLC still remains. You're still going to have the same name, still have the same EIN number, no matter if you're switching all of this stuff around. The last thing that, you know, I want to kind of talk about here and, you know, I touched on this in the S corporation episode as well is once you go to an S corporation, it's kind of a one way street. You can't be switching back and forth. I'm a sole proprietor. I'm an S corporation. I'm a sole proprietor, you know, based on where the wind is blowing or based on what's going to save you the most taxes in that given year. When you make that S corp election, you are electing to be an S corporation going forward. If you decide to revoke your S-Corp election, which you're allowed to do, you cannot decide to switch back to an S-Corporation for five years. So here I am, June of 2022, and I'm currently an S-Corporation. If for whatever reason I say, you know what, I'm going to revoke my S-Corporation status, I will not be able to elect to be taxed an S-Corporation again until 2027. We deal with this every now and again, you know, when we take on new clients and we look at them and we say, all right, LLC, making a lot of money, taxes as a sole proprietor, we're going to go, we're going to make them an S corporation. This is a slam dunk. We're going to save them $10,000, $15,000 by doing this. And it's generally a very straightforward process. And we'll get a letter back from the IRS and they're saying, hey, you know, we are not going to accept this S corp election. Because Amanda's Auto Service was an S-Corporation and they revoked that status in 2020. They need to wait three more years before we're going to accept this. So again, do not make impulse decisions on this. Rely on the professionals that you work with to be able to tell you the ins and outs, the positives and negatives, and specifically for your situation, what makes the most sense. But to kind of wrap it all up for the shop, set up it as an LLC, tax as a sole proprietor to start out with. Once you start making some money, you're going to hit that $60,000 threshold. At that point, go to an S corporation and take that into the future. And really, there's no real situations where you ever outgrow that S corporation. That's kind of a one-time thing. It's going to set you up for the future to be taxed as favorably as possible because no one likes paying more taxes than they need to. So next one here I want to talk about is rental real estate. And so one of the big things that we always preach here is I like the real estate to be owned in a separate LLC from the operating entity. The reason is, as we remember back, the big reason why we set up this LLC is for legal protection, right? So obviously the LLC gets us personally protected from any, uh, you know, or most lawsuits in a business. But what happens if you own the real estate and the shop, the operating business of the shop? What I usually do here is I would set up, you know, Hunt's Real Estate LLC, which is going to own the actual real estate of my shop. And then Hunt's Auto Repair is going to pay that real estate LLC rent on a monthly basis. They're both going to be separate LLCs. The biggest thing that this is going to do is this is going to separate your legal liability between the two of them. So let's say I have a customer come into my shop, you know, we change his brakes, we put back on his wheels and tires. And one of my technicians forgets to put on lug nuts or enough to keep him safely on the vehicle. He drives down the road, wheel falls off, gets in an accident, sues me. If my real estate and my shop are owned in the same LLC, if he sues me, I could lose my real estate. I could lose my shop. I could lose everything. Now, personally, I'm still protected, but it's everything is free game. However, if I have a real estate LLC that owns the real estate, he can sue my shop, but the real estate has nothing to do with it. That is a separate LLC. Same as flip side on this. Let's say that I have someone walking across my parking lot and they slip and fall. They can sue my rental LLC, but they cannot sue my shop. 
Now, at the end of the world, if something awful happens, there's common ownership. There's probably a lot of commingling going on here. This is not a slam dunk where they're never going to be able to touch either one of these, but it's going to make their life a little bit harder. So if you're going to set up a rental real estate LLC, I always advise people to do this as a single member LLC. A lot of the times, you know, what we're seeing here is family businesses, meaning husband and wife are buying these businesses. And a lot of times people say, well, hey, you know, me and my wife are going to own 50-50 on the shop. Me and my wife are going to own 50-50 on the rental LLC. And what I always tell them is I would really prefer that to just be one of you guys owning the rental LLC. The reason why I want it to be one is because if we remember in the past, if we have a single member LLC, that allows us to be a sole proprietor. And for real estate is no different than the shop. If you're a sole proprietor LLC, that will allow us to just report the rental income and rental expenses on a personal tax return. We will not need to file any separate returns. It's just a extra schedule on our personal tax returns. What that does for you is it still gives the same legal protection, the same taxation, but it's going to save you from paying me to do more taxes. Hey, if for whatever reason, you know, if you and your spouse keeps your finances separately and you want to have both of you on there, that's fine. You're just going to become a partnership. I always like to be upfront and honest, though, when people are set up these LLCs to keep in mind, hey, the reason that you're picking this can have some unintended consequences here. And I want you to be aware that, hey, you can do it this way. And yes, you can have these people owning your LLC, but at what cost? Right. So a lot of times when I tell people that they're like, oh, wow, I didn't really think about it that way. No, that's fine. I'll just have her own 100 percent or I'll own 100 percent of that. And we're going to be able to save some money on taxes. Now, if we're set up a rental LLC, we're going to set up as a single member LLC. And we are never going to elect this to be an S corporation. The reason why we're never going to elect our rental real estate to be an S corporation is because what it's doing is renting real estate. And rental real estate is not subject to self-employment tax. So we are not going to get hit with that extra 15% tax. So moving to an S corporation would not give us any tax advantage on it. The only thing that would do would add another tax return and add cost of the year. So almost all of my rental real estates are either single member LLCs or partnerships, depending on who owns them. Now, one of the things here that you might be thinking about is, well, Hunt, I didn't know this 15 years ago when I set up my shop. And when I set up my shop, I have my shop owning the real estate and the operating business on it. I want to get this split out. The short answer on that is you can't really do that. Well, you can, but it's going to cost you some money. And I usually advise against it. So let's say that you bought the real estate for $500,000 back in 2004. And here we are in 2022. And you want to get that real estate split out of your LLC. You just can't quick deed that to another LLC that you own and get it out of there. What the IRS makes you do is they make you sell it to yourself at fair market value. So let's say that that real estate is now appreciated to a million dollars. I would have to sell it to myself for a million dollars, which is obviously going to have a ton of capital gains associated against it. So if you kind of miss the boat on that and your real estate is all owned in one LLC, it's not the end of the world. Don't panic on it. It's going to be okay. It is nicer to have them in separate LLCs, but you're still personally protected on it. Do not lose any sleep. It's If you were to do this over again, best case is to have them in separate LLCs. But if it's all owned in one, do not fret. It's no big deal. So last one here that I want to talk about is the loaner car companies. 
I've seen a lot of people asking about getting their learner car company set up as an LLC. The idea behind it is exactly the same as real estate. Hey, if something happens with one of my loaner cars, then they can sue my loaner car company. They can't sue my rental real estate company. They can't sue my shop. I'm legally protected on all of that. I get the idea behind it. And 100%, I agree with that aspect of it. However, a lot of people are missing kind of the idea behind this. And so in order to have a separate LLC, in order for this to argue that it's a separate entity, not to be combined with the other ones, you need to operate as such. What do you mean by that, Hunt? How do I operate as a separate entity? So what I tell people is if you're going to set up a loaner car company, that loaner car company has to be a freestanding operating entity itself, which means it needs to be a profitable enterprise. That means that you need to pay your loaner car company enough for it to cover its own expenses. Any repairs on the loaner cars need to be paid at full retail from the loaner car company to your shop. Why full retail? Because if we're going to argue this in court, we can't be saying, well, obviously we're doing a discounted rate because we own both of them. The lawyers are going to say, well, look, they're not even operating this as a separate LLC. Tear up that LLC. We're suing everyone and anyone here. What you're going to need to argue here is it's like, well, hey, that is a completely separate business. Yeah, just so happens that I own that as well, but those are operating completely separately. So that means operating and paying your own repairs, your own gas, your own insurance, your own admin costs, your own tax prep fees. Everything needs to be done separately if you really want to have a legal argument on here. So if you're doing this and you're kind of doing this halfway on it, then you're giving yourself a false sense of security because you've set up an LLC, but it's not worth the paper that it's written on if you're not acting accordingly and having this as true two separate arm's length businesses operating independently. One of the biggest things here that a lot of people don't know about either is if you're going to be operating in an arm's length transaction here, a lot of states are charging sales tax on loaner cars or short-term car rentals. And so essentially, if you look at this and you're saying, all right, I need to pay myself, let's just say $50,000 a year to make this profitable for my loaner car company to be able to cover all of the expenses. That means that I would have to charge myself sales tax on this because the customers aren't paying anything. So it's really my shop that's going to have to pay my loaner car company sales tax. That's going to cost me $3,000 a year just in sales tax, right? If you factor in an additional insurance rider, additional tax return, additional admin costs that go against operating this LLC, you can see to do this right, there's a lot of unintended or you know unimagined costs associated with doing this correctly. Is it a good idea? Sure, it is, right? We're getting legal protection here. I'm always for making sure that we're covered here, but don't think that there's no cost associated. Right At the very minimum, there's at least going to be a couple thousand dollars of cost here, arguably more if you do this right. What you're doing here is you're essentially paying for an insurance policy, and depending on the size and scale of this, it can be worked out to be a very large insurance policy. So really the big thing on the LLC is what I always tell my clients is, hey, I'm going to give you all the facts here on how you need to do this correctly. And you're probably going to come back and you're going to say, Hunt, that sounds really, really expensive to do, which I'm not going to disagree with. And if you're someone that's very risk averse on it, you might say, Hunt, you know what? It's worth a peace of mind to know that I'm protected. I have a fleet of 25 loaner cars. That's a lot of liability out there. I would agree. All right, let's do it. Let's get it set up and let's make sure that we're doing this correctly so that we're not doing all of this for nothing if something ever comes up. But if you're sitting here with one or two loaner cars, 
probably be a lot cheaper to go out and just get a bigger, you know, commercial umbrella policy to cover that stuff. The last thing I hear I will talk about loaner car companies is check with your insurance companies to make sure that how you're using these cars is covered. More and more, I've been hearing shop owners say that, you know, finally they've been talking to their insurance agent or the insurance agent finds out what you're doing with these loaner cars and they don't like it. A lot of loaner car or a lot of car insurance companies do not want you to see these loaning out to customers. They think that they're for shop vehicles or for your use or your employees use. If they find out that customers are using these, I've had situations where insurance companies have said, hey, you can do that. But just so you know, anything that happens is not going to be covered by insurance. You're all on your own. Make sure that you're protected here. Make sure that you're covering all your bases. Make sure that you're talking to your professionals about all this stuff, right? Talking to your account about entity choices, seeing what makes sense for your business, seeing how you can be taxed differently to save you money or give yourself better protection. And then again, talking to your professionals like your insurance agent. Hey, is this a covered expense? Hey, if I give my customers this, are they covered? What do I need to get from my customers to sign to make sure that that liability is passed to them and is not going to come back on me, right? Always be asking questions. Always be trying to understand more about your business to make sure that you're doing the right things and you don't have a unpleasant surprise one day when you need it the least. I hope this was helpful for you guys. Again, please share with friends. And if you have any questions, comments, or ideas like Seth had for me, please shoot me an email at podcast at parmelis.com. The link for that's up in the show notes. Thanks again for listening on the Aftermarket Radio Network. You can find all shows on aftermarketradionetwork.com and on your favorite podcast listening apps. So thanks again for joining me on Business by the Numbers. Stay safe out there, and I will talk to you all next week. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.